Yeah, dig it. Today's episode of Nick Flanagan Weekly is brought to you by Member Berries, a South Park episode talking all about when we resort to nostalgia in order to get past moments of anxiety and stress in our own lives. Now, that must be relatable these days. Hello, I am Nick, the titular host of Nick Flanagan Weekly, the podcast in which you are listening, to which you are listening. There's cat, cat smelling my glasses and my face. I'm in a slightly different environment than usual. You could call it part of the bubble. I don't know. You could call it. All I'm saying is I'm I'm safe. I'm keeping things as safe as I can, as Toronto and Ontario and Canada enter into the fray of difficulty. Where are my member berries? There are too many sickness cases going on. I need nostalgia. So today it's a very special episode of Nick Flanagan Weekly, an interview. Love my interviews are often with people I'm uh, pretty good friends with or admire or enjoy the work of, you know. I'm not getting too many press releases asking, uh, you know, publicists saying, do you want to pl- do you want to do this? I do have every once in a while people ask me about going on. And um, I do consider it, it's just always so odd so far, and they're strangers, so it's hard to follow up on. But if you know someone you'd like who should go on or you want to go on, just write weeklypodcast at gmail.com. Now that that's all out of the way, I'm going to tell you about my guest today. Finally, his name is Jesse Elias. He's a hilarious comedian who is, uh, I feel, kind of... Criminally underappreciated, and I do mean criminally. You should be arrested for not appreciating him to the utmost. He's a hilarious stand-up. He's been on Jimmy Kimmel Live. I don't know. All the stupid people that people talk about. Lived in San Francisco for a long time, was a part of that comedy scene. Moved to Los Angeles, uh, was a favorite at one of my favorite shows, The Tomorrow Show, with the wonderful Ron Lynch hosting. One of the most creative comedians I know, uh, very sincere in his beliefs, very unique in his tastes, and uh, also a total head, as they call in hip-hop, for uh, things like 80s candy, 90s candy, flavors in general, energy drinks, television, um classical music just a range of stuff if you want to find out more about him you can follow final fan jesse on twitter or maybe it's final fan jesse seven we met um in los angeles a few years before i moved there he gave me a lift he doesn't remember this at all that's fine and uh then, you know, we just started doing more shows together, made friends, started hanging out at malls. It was uh, always a good time. We'd go to Target together, spend inordinate lengths of hours just like walking around Target, talking about the things, the products, and life. Um, anyway, so here's an interview with Jesse. We kind of get hung up. I mean, there's so much more in the world of uh, 
what would you call it? Obscure pop culture references we could have gotten into, but we we <laughs> we stay on serial for a while, and well, you'll see. So um, enjoy this interview with Jesse Elias. And if you do want to support the podcast, go to ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan or patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. Follow, review, blah, 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 blah. Here's my talk with Jesse Elias. It's better when I have my sunglasses on because then I, I'm, I'm matching my guy. Hey, you look great. But when I have sunglasses on, then it goes good with the picture. Right. No, I'm into this. Um, yeah, your haircut. I'm I'm into it. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the back looks like because I can't see what I'm doing. I'm trying to think, you like remind me of somebody, but I can't quite bring it to mind. Maybe somebody you went to high school with. Uh, oh, we would have had a, had a lot of fun in high school. I Maybe I don't know. When did when did you, I mean? Depends on where. You, if you went to my high school, for sure. I don't know oh, where you went to high school. Well, I went to high school, and uh, you know, I was into stuff. So we would have, and there there weren't that many people who were totally into stuff, but uh, there were enough that it would uh, we would have gone to. You know, like I hung out with at the school newspaper in ninth grade in the mm -hmm. little basement newspaper nook with all the goths, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, they were the only people who really uh, kind of were older and like uh, were super into accepting me, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I'm Facebook friends with some of them to this day. Is what do you think of This is the podcast. This is the podcast we're doing? Okay, I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if we were just talking. Hey, this is how WTF starts, right? I, I don't know. I don't listen to that. Um, yeah. I thought WTF starts with them saying, like, wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the beginning. Lock the gates. and Yeah. yeah. If yeah. I heard music and, and whatever else you do. But you, you don't have intro music. I do. Um, oh, you do? Yeah. Oh. It's, uh, it's an instrumental track by my band. And I say the name of the podcast over it. Oh, maybe it's just because when I start podcasts, I usually skip about two minutes ahead just to <laughs> get to the talking. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy even having a podcast, you know, like yeah. I, I really don't uh, have a clear idea of um, what it is I'm supposed to be doing, how it's supposed to sound. Right now, um, I can't speak that loudly, so... It's actually kind of better, right? This yeah, is like, use your NPR voice. Yeah, this is my NPR voice. Your, your indoor voice is, is your NPR voice. Yeah, but also with it's a little bit thing. of, you, you've got to get a bit of. So I know a lot of you were wondering uh, just why perhaps Pepe the Frog went from something benign to something amazing. And <laughs> here's a great thing that I learned about Pepe. I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I used to have an Ira Glass impression, but. You, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I I'm, I don't even know Ira Glasses. One of those guys. I I've heard the name. Ira Glasses. You know I I I. I my opinion on NPR was um. Was decided, uh, the moment I was in a car ride with uh, my grandparents and they're listening to some piece on why diagonally cut sandwiches are bet the best way to cut a sandwich and I said okay. 
this is stupid. And yeah. that, I was that I said I was done. Yeah, our NPR is um, well, we get NPR, but is kind of CBC. One of the CBC stations is a lot like that. Like it's it's like kryptonite for me in the car. Like it oh, comes yeah. on, and I just get I think about car trips with my family. I think about people who wake up in the morning and put on CBC before seven, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then the, the guys are always like, like today, the person was like, in 1837, this writer uh, came up, wrote a story that started with the phrase, a dark and stormy night. It was a dark and stormy night. And now in his honor, there is the blah, 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 purple prose award that goes to the most overwritten piece of prose. And here's a sample of this year's winner. And it's just like, Okay, how old am I again? Like this is uh, this is almost in my wheelhouse. <laughs> you know? Like this is yeah. Too, like, With my uh, my elderly roommate, I have to endure a lot of NPR and a lot of MSNBC. A yeah, lot. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd take NPR over MSNBC probably. So would I. But sometimes it's funny when the NPR is on. She likes to put on NPR while she's making breakfast or having breakfast. And NPR will be like, you know, we are here in the uh, country of uh, wherever we are with the uh, thousands of children refugees. Like, you know, young Abdul is missing his leg. And then she's just like spreading jam on her toast, like, do, 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 do. Like, right. So she's watching the worst and she's hearing the worst information ever and just kind of doing elderly person stuff. Yeah, she just likes to listen to children suffer while she has her coffee in the morning, you know. You know, every day we almost, we listen to that show, Democracy Now. You ever listen mm-hmm. to that? Uh, no. Is and that on NPR? It's, no, it's like a little too radical for NPR. I, I think they're their own thing, and they have been for a long time. And they're like super progressive, report on world events, even though they're mm-hmm. American-based and, and they're... Uh, um, and it's always like the worst news. Yeah. You know? And then, well, I mean, if you, the worst news, I mean, shit, we're living it, right? Well, yeah, it's always like highlighting all of the crazy things happening, whether it's in like Bolivia or Ethiopia or. I know. Well, we, we're now US. we're in Bolivia and Ethiopia because, uh, oh, by we, I mean me, because you're in Canada. Uh, I forget that sometimes. Yeah. Well, you met me in America. I've America. Never, uh, we've never hung out in Canada. So, unfortunately. I'd like to go there, but I'm not allowed to because I live in a festering disease pit. Well, um, our, our disease count is going up. So yeah. we're entering the danger zone here in my area, but uh, whatever. I mean, no, we don't have... Um, people are still pretty polite a lot of the time. You we know. Used to, but you're, you're right. Like, we used to get our bad news imported from other countries. And now, uh, <laughs> if you're live in america you can you don't you can just look out the window if you want I mean, to get your bad news <laughs> i think i think it was like sometime during the obama administration when like there were just so many school shootings and shootings in general mass shootings that it was just like okay okay america this is this is not easy to keep hearing yeah do you remember columbine uh yeah i remember i was like you know, my Columbine was pretty much like everyone else's Columbine, where they like, okay, everyone get into the gymnasium right now. <laughs> yeah, that was not our Columbine. That wasn't your Columbine? Not in Canada, not in Toronto, even though we've had mass shootings. Uh, a comedian, well, Scott was, Thompson, was in a mass shooting. 
1967 in Canada. Oh, well, when I say everyone into the gymnasium, I mean, so we could talk about it, not like, you know, they didn't think that like there was going to be like this huge like domino effect where like no. all the schools get shot up the next day. They just want <laughs> to, they just, whenever something serious happens in the news, you go to the gymnasium, you sit on the bleachers and the principal will tell you that it's okay to feel bad about kids getting shot. That's your right. Um, and then they're like, okay, now get back to class and pretend like it never happened. Like when the school yeah. counselor uh, is here, if uh, you need them, but uh, we know you probably won't talk to them. So they're just going to sit around and do nothing all day and get paid for it. That's a sweet job being a school counselor. Kids should have quarantined then. Right. You know, that's, when Columbine, yeah. that's when they shut down schools. I mean, we should you just know, like, how abolish middle school. Middle school is very complicated. It's so like the first year of high school. I think if you abolished all the middle schools, like homophobia would cease to exist overnight. <laughs> <laughs> you want you yeah. want to stop homophobia, attack it at the, the root cause. Right. Middle nobody, school. Nobody would think smoking pot was cool. Nobody would be having sex until they were eighteen. But smoking <laughs> pot is cool. Well, is it anymore? You know. Oh, yeah. High school kids, they love it. But are high school kids cool anymore? Mm, it's a tricky question because, I, you know, I, I hang out. I've, I've hung out with my fair share of high school kids back okay. when I used to work as a substitute teacher for two years, the longest two years of my life. And high school kids were always the fun ones to hang out with. They weren't cool exactly, but like they're the coolest kids that you can find. They're either really engaged with themselves and, you know, or I, I, but at the same time, I remember this from high school. You actually listen to what a lot of people say, like you take it right. in. Right. You don't necessarily think it's good. You might make fun of it to their face or later you might just laugh in their face, but you are because you've heard so much because there's like, think about compared to like, how old we are now and when you're like 17 or 18 that's like like interaction is still kind of a new thing you mm -hmm. know hearing people talk hearing different ideas finding out how everyone or like you know how so many people are the same or what what you know norms are normies are you right know? uh yeah and that's that that's why i think they listen so well but yeah I, but it I seems I didn't even learn how to be a decent human being until I was like 25. Like everything up to that point was kind of like, um, I was still like going in the trial phase, you know, kind of figuring out where the bugs are. Yeah. I think I learned like, I don't know, like, yeah, the whole, the puzzle is still, there's still some pieces I'm putting in that, that puzzle, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a behavior, as you get too yeah. tired to do certain behaviors because of aging, you start to realize how destructive they were as well. High school is when you, when you test out a lot of behaviors that you see on TV and in movies and learn that they don't work in real life. Yeah. Um, I bought a Dan Donnie Brasco uh, brown jacket in high school. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'm, I mean, like... Um, no, but it's because of the temperature that it was a problem. I tried to wear it in the winter and it was like a V. So I, I didn't. I mean, you're not. I, you're not hurting anybody. Scarves were cool, so I was cool, and I'm hurting myself. 
you know? I, I think like pretty much like uh, when it comes to like talking to girls, like um, movies really uh, promote a lot of bad behavior. Um, if, if a man were to behave the way that men behave in romantic comedies, he, he, in real life, he'd be have probably have the cops called on him and rightfully so. You mean like if you're in Venice and you seduce a woman, you, you shouldn't just in the middle of the seduction go, ah, Venice. Uh, I don't know which romantic comedy you're referencing because I don't really... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, actually. Oh, uh, well, that's not a, you know, yeah. But, Junior. Junior. You probably shouldn't act like Indiana Jones or like if you just like knock on her door and I don't even know which movie this is, but I've seen clips from it where the guy's like holding like these like giant um, flashcards. He's not even talking to her. And he just, have you seen that? Mm. Sounds like it could be a million things. Is that It's like say anything type of deal. He's like, he's like, he just has these little flashcards and, and he's like, I just want to say, you know, next card mm-hmm. that I love you. Next card. It's like, if you did that to a, like a girl in real life, like, you know, she'd like laugh at you or call the police or both like rom-coms really set up all these bad expectations. Yeah. You, uh, you know, I mentioned say anything. And like, if you went up outside of some lady's window and just started playing something on your boom box and you looked and you're in a trench coat and no offense to John Cusack guys look 35. He's looked 35 since he was in like the outsiders or whatever. So yeah, you know, you look old. You're holding a boombox in a trench coat outside of a woman's home. It's not good. You know. I, I, again, I don't know what movie you're referencing. Is that the record store one? No, that was High Fidelity. This is a Cameron Crowe movie uh, from the 1980s with um, John Cusack called "Say Anything." You should see it. John Cusack's cool. He's like the cool version of uh, that other guy who's he's the voice of Adult Simba. What's his name? Matthew um, Perry, I think I want to say Matthew Broderick. Is that a uh, guy? Yeah. No, he is a cool version of Matthew Broderick, or he was. I, I don't. I don't know, but he was in a bunch of good movies back in the day. So, say anything is one of the best John Cusack movies. He's perfect in it, and uh, because he's playing that like high school inspiration guy, you know, like he's like a guy who kind of would have been cool in real life, but he's like a loner, you know, in in movie mm-hmm. high school. You know, oh yeah, like uh, that. That was sort of growing up. You know, uh, pump up the volume. With Christian Slater was a big influence. What was that like? Really ridiculous Gen X movie. Reality what, bites. Reality bites. I didn't even have to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, that actually could have been. You could have been. I could have said a. Few no, that, that's the one I was thinking of. I was yeah, going to say with Winona Ryder and all that. Um, I, I never saw that one. Oh. Well, then I, I guess we I should was, talk about it then. <laughs> well, I was just I was just deep in grunge cynicism to the point where I was like, they're trying to, you know, they're trying yeah. to commercialize Nirvana. Like, I, that's why I didn't see singles for years, it's but I laughing. listened to the I, soundtrack a lot. I just watched that and was like laughing so hard, like it's so embarrassing just to watch yeah, that movie. Reality like, bites, reality oh, bites. Yeah, singles. no, reality bites. It's just. Um, like the uh, the boy, there's there's I I it's been a while since I saw it. But I thought it's like Winona Ryder has like a boyfriend with like short hair and a job, and then she has this guy <laughs> who's that she, they have like a bit of a thing going, 
yeah. which they don't, they're not sure if, if what it is. And like, he's got like long hair and he's just angry. And she leaves the, the, the nice guy with the clean haircut and the job for the angry guy with long hair and the, and he plays guitar at open mics. Sounds like a terrible choice. Yeah. But it's like, F you yuppie. We're, we're, I'm going with the, this uh, emo. I guess emo wasn't a thing back then. I don't know what you call them. My angry nineties. Yeah. Alternative. I think you would be saying, referring to the word angst, angsty, angsty. Angsty, yeah. There's the yeah. German. It angst is angst is a German word, but you, yeah. you know what angst means in German? It means um, it means fear. Oh, interesting. So angsty people are uh, afraid that they're anxious, and yeah. that's why they act that way. I have a very I have a very big uh, German vocabulary. Really? Uh huh. I've I've studied German for a while. So, do you speak Do you speak it, or do you mostly just understand words? I mostly just understand words. <laughs> um, my, my, if I were to attempt to speak it, it would just come out as like, I, I once tried speaking German to a German and he said it sounded like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> because in German, all the words um, and the, you end the sentence on the word that you don't end with in English, the same way Yoda does. Right. And then me speaking English, I'm like, I'll just think of the sentence in English and then just replace the English words with German words. And that's good enough. Uh-huh. They have their own syntax. So they said it sounded like Yoda. Um, Did he say it in German or in... Uh... No, they said it in English. They, you, they, sound they... Like Yoda. you sound like Yoda. I have bad news for you. You yeah. sound like Yoda. Du klingst, du klingst wie Yoda. That's how you say you sound like Yoda. Germans, German. I, I spent a, about, I guess it would have been like eight or nine weeks with like in Europe with the band over like two years, uh, probably about six. Well, there was a, there were Germans driving us the whole time. Mm-hmm. And also we, you know, when you do the European tour as a band, Germany is a lot of the times the central point because they're just like really good at supporting rock music for some reason yeah and, uh well you know they got that history like mozart beethoven's yeah boney m boney m who's that they had the, oh, yeah i thought you might like boney m they have that song you know ra ra rasputin lover of the russian king queen i don't i don't know rock music huh but it's more like disco like do you know Oh, I, know, I know disco, yeah. Ma, Ma Baker, the Rivers of Babylon. They have the they have a much more famous one that Daddy Cool. That's not the most famous one. There's like even Rasputin's very famous, but yeah, German Germany's always been a real big music music place. Real, they're a real music town. <laughs> Germany, they like their music. They got you know they invented classical music. Um, they invented um, that a lot of uh, techno, as, as I understand it. What do they call um, that crappy European techno? Eurobeat. Eurobeat. The uh, the Scorpions were from Germany. Um, Kraftwerk. That's a big. Oh, one. Kraft Kraftwerk. Yeah, Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk. Incredible group. 
one of my favorites. If, if Kraftwerk play, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I'm feeling relaxed, but also challenged, you know? Mm-hmm. But I guess, uh, I mean, all of this is to get to what we were talking about before this. You sent me a care package last week in the form uh-huh. of a zip folder. Mm-hmm. I've been looking at it. So I, I sent Nick a zip folder filled with um, about 200 images of retro food products, um, such as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pies, uh, yeah. ouch, ouch bubblegum. Chef Boyardee, like the TMNT Chef Boyardee I definitely had. And I mm-hmm. also, the picture you sent of the tr- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Chef Boyardee. Yeah, uh, that one spoke to you. Well, because I, I remembered it. But also mm-hmm. the, the thing that really is, I don't even know how I'd describe it, is the photo you sent me, the can is like, like the paper at the top is kind of like wilted away. So you yeah. just the top of the can, which is like rusted on the side, the metal, and it looks almost violent. And that, to me, that's even if it were a new can, it would still kind of have that look especially a product, uh, sorry, like a product tie-in can, because they're so limited in their like appeal, partly because, you know, if it's like 2020 and you're buying a uh, last airbender Chef Boyardee, you kind of know it's like six years old, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you're not buying it for sustenance anymore. So they get a, a lot of people don't buy them. Yeah. Uh, Chef Boyardee is... You know, that's that's one of the least exciting uh, products to me because the only thing that changes is the shape. You can still get the same, uh, you know, there's, it's not a unique flavor. But don't get me wrong. I still, I think Retro Chef Boyardee is a big part of any food nostalgia collection. But you can, st- you can still get the Chef Boyardee experience flavor-wise, which is, the real tragedy is when some of these things, you just can't taste them anymore. You know, like... Uh, uh, oh, you mean when you buy some product tie-in and then you, from the 80s and you try to eat it? <laughs> and it's like not edible? Yeah, unfortunately, you can, while you still can buy um, 80s breakfast cereals on eBay, um, the chemicals break down and they, and they taste really bad. Um, there's a lot of YouTube videos of people eating old cereal and old stuff and it's and just they they immediately spit it out because it just it, it decomposes so um the image i'm looking at right now there's two images i'm gonna start mm-hmm. with the one right in front of me it's a jar jar Binks star wars episode one um it's like a mouth pop candy tongue and it's like a a pretty well done like it pretty well made jar jar head that is a that opens up and he has like a candy tongue and it's yeah. rigid, rigid it's like, and stuff so the idea is you'd basically be like french kissing jar jar binks for actually yeah. like at least a half hour because it takes a long time to eat like that type of candy yeah you got a plastic jar jar binks head with a, a lollipop it's a lollipop shaped like a tongue with a, a toy jar jar head built around the, the tongue so you're sucking on jar jar's tongue and it has been 
you know, we all remember 1999 and all that Phantom Menace merch. It was just everywhere. And that's this has been cited as the single most inappropriate and disturbing <laughs> piece of merch. But, and this is uh, important to understand. This is a Star Wars variation of a candy called Monster Mouth Candy. And normally they sell like, mummy and Frankenstein tongues that you're like, it's supposed to be gross. It's right. No, I, I got that sense. It's just that. But with uh, Jar Jar, I'm, it's gross. It's not Star Wars brand, you know? Yeah. So it kind of falls in this thing where it's like, cause there's a lot of Star Wars stuff like that, where the Star Wars brand is kind of like buy it because it's Star Wars, you know? And, mm-hmm. and like it had some level of dignity or something. <laughs> like or at least it's it's part of a universe maybe that's the way best way to describe it it's part of a universe so it just kind of exists it's like borderline a lightsaber i can't really explain it but it has some sort of time with that and also i was looking at the picture and one of the ingredients in the lollipop is uh titanium dioxide oh i didn't notice that um i don't know what that is but i the fact that it has the word titanium puts me a bit on edge uh, they put titanium dioxide in Dunkin' Donuts as well. So, what can you, you, you tell me about titanium dioxide? Well, it comes from titanium, which is a it's a metal. Mm-hmm. Um, it had its atomic number is twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're kind of getting into improv at this point, Jesse. What are you talking about? This isn't improv. This is, I'm reading this off of Wikipedia. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what I meant. It's the the opposite of, it's opposite of improv. It's scripted. On the fly, knowing things. Do you think that happens on like MSNBC and the big, the big news things where they ask a question of the person on Zoom and just like go on Wikipedia and just tell you what they know about it? Like, Um, I would, I would do that too. Cause I didn't know you were typing. So, um, the next thing that we got to here, it was almost, well, one of the things I was looking at before was uh, the Mickey's Parade Mickey Mouse sort of ice cream bar by Good Humor. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have Good Humor here. It wasn't a brand that was very big in in where I was living. And uh, yet this frozen treat existed here, except it wasn't chocolate. I feel like it was one of those kind of like mushy fruit ones, but the shape and the black eyes, you know, mm-hmm. and the, appro- the approximation of Mickey's face. Like I had that and that would, that would have been a lot of this stuff. When you get into the themed stuff for, for my family, that was, I, that was like high end. Like I was probably eating maybe a thing like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Chef Boyardee, even though we didn't eat much Chef Boyardee, like mm-hmm. that, I feel like they would price that the same because it was just like a variation of something mm-hmm. like uh, an exact same thing basically. But when you get into say, especially the cereals, any of the sugary cereals were generally either more expensive or my parents didn't want me having them. So mm-hmm. what they would do, we had these things called variety packs. Did you have mm-hmm. those? Yeah. Yeah. Those were the best, you know, you'd the get min- these- the tiny boxes. The tiny boxes, seven or eight, and like four of them would be cornflakes and Cheerios. And then one would be like corn pops. And then the other one might be frosted flakes, which is just like cornflakes 
with the sugar already on it. Because back in the eighties, we were throwing sugar on the cereal. We didn't, that didn't taste that good. Right. I remember people used to do that. Covering cornflakes with sugar. I mean, that's, that's legit. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking as a kid that Frosted Flakes were too sweet. So, um, I, you know, that really tells you something. <laughs> I'm sure now if I had them, I'd, I'd want to barf or I don't know. <clears throat> the, mar- uh, the, mar- the marshmallow was always the ones I wanted. Well, Corn Pops to me was. Mm-hmm. Oh, Corn Pops are amazing. <clears throat> yeah, because they were sort of, they had that texture that was like, especially as a kid, it's not a texture you understand particularly crunchy but powdery and uh mm-hmm. with this corn flavor but not too corn you know and sugar of course and then it was really good it would transform in water and like or sorry in milk i'm not i wasn't we weren't doing that badly that it was water necessarily but you know in right. the milk, in the one percent we were uh we weren't in the one percent but the milk was was one percent one or two percent yeah I, I i i've heard of two percent i know one percent milk is That's that a skim thing? milk skim, skim. Milk. uh yeah corn pops i think i mean if you rearrange the corn pops the words it it spells popcorn right it has something and to do with popcorn i think it does because in the commercials yeah. do you remember it would sort of be like kind of popping out of the box and kind of overflowing similar to like a microwave popcorn bag so maybe i liked corn pops because it was kind of like candy corn or something it, it, i think that's what corn pops are supposed to be it's an right. attempt to turn like a, a sweet popcorn into a cereal uh i i love corn pops they're, they're really good uh, a lot of people don't like them because the texture is different but different is good different is good and i'm with you on corn pops a thousand percent and and but besides corn pops Mm-hmm. What I was, what I, what I was into was um, the marshmallow ones. I'd be like, "Wow, like, like you could have marshmallows in this." Lucky Charms was the beginning, but yeah. then got to when I got older because we, I had no access. My parents were not going anywhere near Count Chocula. They weren't going oh, anywhere yeah. near something that was just chocolate. If I convinced them to get Cinnamon Toast Crunch, like that was uh, victorious. That was when I discovered my agency was when I like was able to kind of request or purchase my own you know yeah. sugar, sugary cereal but yeah with Count Chocula when I finally was up in Count Chocula I was like this is what I'm talking about that, <laughs> the part that isn't marshmallows is good because it's just chocolate right you know like it's just like a chocolate like cookie or something or cracker whereas mm-hmm. like Lucky Charms the like cereal bit was disgusting you know, and you were just praying for a marshmallow. In my, I, I like Lucky Charms. Um, that was my take on it, though. I yeah. just like, I mean, I, I liked it, but I wasn't, um, you know, uh, like I really preferred the marshmallows, which were like kind of my favorite marshmallows of a breakfast cereal. Did because you... of the texture, they melted the best. Which yeah, is nothing, I mean, nothing like a marshmallow, by the way. Any no, of these things we're describing as marshmallow. I, well, in the in the cereal in the cereal community, they're referred to as marbits to dis- to distinguish them from real marshmallows. Marbits, like a marbite. It's like I think it's like marshmallow bit. It's a yeah. it's a portmanteau. Um, the first uh, marshmallow cereal. 
That's the uh, second was, time I've heard Portmanteau in, today in the last like three hours. Well, you hang out with some smart people, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. The, fir the first marshmallow cereal was Lucky Charms and the prototype uh, was the guy who invented it. He, to test out his theory, he took some circus peanuts and cut them up with scissors and sprinkled it over Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> like with the shell? No, circus peanuts, the, the crappy candy. I don't the, know what those are. They, you don't have circus peanuts in Canada? I always thought circus peanuts just meant like, a, you you know, you're at the circuits and you have like uh, a small pouch of like shelled peanuts or peanuts with shell and you throw one at the elephant and it takes the shell off. No, they're these, they're these like neon orange, like peanut shaped marshmallows that get sold in like the, the deepest, darkest discount section of the candy aisle. Um, no. Yeah. Interesting. They're usually sold next to the gumdrops and like like the other crappy candy that no one wants, you know? Hmm. Uh, take a look at these. They're like bubblegum flavored, which is something that you wouldn't think looking at them you think there'd be some kind of peanut butter flavor or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do kind of remember these. Weird. But yeah, that would make sense that he would use those. It's a great idea. It's a great I, idea. I'm still looking at these photos you, you put up. Um, Urkel O's. I had no idea there was an Urkel cereal. Oh, it was really good. It was strawberry and banana flavored, and it tasted a lot like the strawberry and banana milk uh that you can buy. They look like Fruit Loops. Yeah, they look like Fruit Loops. I think it's uh, one of the only cereals. Uh, it's very rare that you have a cereal with different colored pieces with different flavors. Uh, but Urkelos actually had, I think it's been so long. I think the yellow ones are banana flavor and the pink ones are strawberry flavor. Yeah, they look good. That would have been better if Fruit Loops had a banana flavor. I don't believe they did. And if they said it was a banana flavor, it probably didn't taste like it. They probably did. No, fr Fruit Loops are fruit flavored. In other words, they don't taste like anything. Uh, right. Yeah. If you, I've, one thing I real I discovered recently is that Fruit Loops are more citrus than any other kind of fruit. They really taste like a lemon orangey. It's like kind of a lemon, orangey, lime. Flavor. Right. That's why there was no banana because the lemon would be the banana, but there wasn't a lemon. Mm -hmm. Fruit. No, here it is. Per Fruit Loops are purple, green, and orange. Yeah, and I think they they have a blue one as well. And then it and just yellow um, and red. Kel Kellogg's has acknowledged that all share the same fruit blend flavor. There's yeah. no flavor difference from Fruit Loop to Fruit Loop. It's all in your mind. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, they never fooled me. I. It's all that same kind of bland lemony. They came out with tropical Fruit Loops uh, a month ago, and they taste like pineapple. That sounds good. I would mess with that. Yeah, they're all right. The cereal that I'm really looking forward to this holiday season is the Walmart exclusive Alpha on a Shelf Vanilla Candy Cane Cookie Cereal. That sounds like a lot to take in i'm excited for the candy cane part of it uh yeah chocolate and candy cane in like nothing that's nothing i would like to eat you know 
like a candy cane covered in chocolate, but suddenly if it's in peppermint bark would be the main thing I would think of. Yeah. And, uh, um, ice cream that has candy cane in it is pretty good, actually. And, that's, uh, that's really good. I love that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't know what it is. And yet candy cane alone is like psychotic to eat. It's, it's underwhelming. But it's also like, imagine, you know, I'm just like hanging out, eating a candy cane in public I, at a social, at a party. I'd eat a candy cane at a party. I'd probably eat a candy cane at a party, but not at like, not a stodgy party. I mean, they're they're like mints, you know. You you see, you've had Altoids before. Candy canes are better than Altoids. Well, that's true, but candy canes don't exist as breath fresheners, or do they? And that's why people kiss near them. I don't know if they exist as breath fresheners, but they certainly are able to serve as breath fresheners. So you you remain engaged in the world of cereal. It's a lifelong thing for you. Absolutely, cereal is a uh, more than just a food it's a whole lifestyle um <laughs> breakfast lifestyle i think cereal enthusiasts tend to be pop like um i mean cereal is the most pop culture food that you can find right because it's like yeah it's, like it's it's crafted by industry in an age where you know pop was the thing where like science or ingenuity was creating products for us to just be so in like to increase our quality of life yeah they 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 have these fictional they have characters and like cartoon universes built around these whole like cartoon worlds built around a food product that's very you don't see that uh with anything else really and serial fans tend to be um they tend to be like you and me they 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 like old stuff. Um, they are uh, into the, uh, how would you, I've, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this delicately. Um, it's like people who are kind of just into nostalgia and it's, it's, it's seen as a very, it's immature to be an adult and, you know, eating uh, colorful sh- sugary cereals. Uh, you know, some cereal, notable cereal heads include like Quentin Tarantino has a lot of cereal uh, in references in his movies. Um, Jerry Seinfeld is known for. Yeah, but he likes boring cereal, right? He likes Cheerios. He does something. like boring cereal and he's a boring man and I am uh, hesitant to include him on the list. But he does mention Cheerios a lot. Yeah, the type of people who get excited about cereal are the same type of people who probably are more likely to have a Transformers poster on their wall that's <laughs> framed or a He-Man poster. Well, do Plus, you have any of those types of posters? Hell no. I you know, I, I never Transformers and He-Man I have zero connection to. Well, you're uh, a bit younger than me, but those were both like huge for me growing up. Yeah. If I was a bit older, I I, I suppose I would have, have a caught problem that wave because like I'd identify more with uh or Orco you yeah. know in that show and I just think oh god like am I why isn't Orco respected <laughs> like why is like what why is there this subtle jewing of Orco <laughs> yeah. like like I just think you know 
all the people identified with Gargamel, Orko, Cobra Commander. <laughs> you know, they were all these sort of anxious, screeching. I don't remember much about Orko. Or Orko was pretty cool, honestly. He had the big O. He looked like um, the ghost of uh, Cosby Kid. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of him to refresh my memory. Uh, I mean, I still, look, I still respect, like, I'm too young to, like, properly remember the 80s, but decades take about five years to find their own voice. So the early 80s are essentially the 70s. The early 90s are essentially the 80s. The early yeah, 2000s the first, are the still first, the 90s. The first five years of, of the next decade are, are deeply affected by that. And right. I mean, it's weird. We're even seeing that in like nowadays where we're, we're just on the crest of the 2000s um, as a sort of throwback, you know, and that's going to be very interesting. Disgusting. <laughs> that was, a. I mean, that was, I mean, I'm still watching, like I watched all of Rock of Love bus you know, not long ago, and Flavor of Love season two or three. Mm-hmm. Two. And uh, it was so amazing. I mean, I think if anything is interesting from that era, I mean, Sopranos, but like just the, the whole MTV thing was so bizarre because they kept on raising the stakes until you got to like Celebrity Intervention and Dr. Drew and Sober House and just like the hangover period of you know surreal life or even jackets and stuff mm-hmm. um, not to make it dark and i know you're talking about collecting and yes i also i you know i realized today or yesterday yeah. that like i don't know why i'm buying all this stuff i'm I'm allegedly buying things to like resell but they're just like piling up and yeah now i have all these video games and like it is getting to the point where it's like when am I going to play Sean White snowboard on Wii? Like, this is something I should have owned as a, you know, when I was like 23 and found in a basement and then put it down. And now I like went out of my way, not to get that, but like to get that in a bundle deal <laughs> so that if I can resell a Wii with like a bunch of games and a Wii Fit. But why am I doing this? I mean, what I'm trying to do is like, capitalize on my interest without admitting that it's more about the interest than it is about the capitalizing. Right. Um, well, you know, a couple of things. Um, one thing I really wanted to say is that I think, you know, do you remember when like 80s nostalgia was cool? But like around like the early 2000s? Like, yeah, whoa, in, eight- the, in, the, <clears throat> in the 90s, 70s was cool. 2000s. Mm-hmm. Go on, sorry. Uh, I mean, our, our, our nostalgia, when we were, when we were cool, our nostalgia was cool. And also like the people slightly older than us, cause we look up to them. Right. Um, so while I never, so while I was never, you know, I don't really have a lot of memories of a lot of this 80s stuff, you know, the, the older kids and the cooler kids and like your older brother or whatever, they, they, they like this stuff or like the, the 20 somethings or whatever, the people in reality <clears> bites. <throat> and then you grow up and you watch reality bites and you realize that they suck. But, um, yeah, but then you watch days of confusion. You're like, no, this is still kind of cool. I've Mostly never seen I that. Yeah. But, but, but get this, so, uh, reality bites. The, the opening scene is them singing conjunction junction. What's your function? 
So they're <laughs> they're bonding over their their, their Gen X nostalgia uh, in in like the most superficial way possible, <laughs> and it's and it's and it's just really lame. And then like that's what you and I are, have become. Our, yeah, but our... but you know, I didn't think it was lame at the time when like it, like when I was a kid. And schoolhouse. Yeah. No, when I was a teenager, if you showed me Schoolhouse Rock, I would be like, "That's cool that existed." Yeah, I'm 15, and I'm going to talk about because I liked all that stuff. I liked, uh, you know, Voltron. Like yeah. I can, I got back into Voltron when I was like 15. I liked Gundam. That was even a new thing. Oh, Gundam rocks, man! And my friends would start collecting. Like we, there was this Chinese mall, you know. Oh and, yeah, uh, man, Chinese mall. The there was Dragon Seed, which was actually not in the mall across the street, and it was this yeah. ma- massive um sort of uh, toy knickknack poster culture yes yes anime uh, store japanese chinese oh, it was man. anime and more it oh you're a- making my mouth water that's <laughs> 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 anime stores that's my that's you know i feel it's right at home in, in the anime stores even though i don't get and i don't really understand the only anime that ever really spoke to me on like a personal deep level or whatever was like full metal alchemists i will admit. yeah I never, I never saw that one i but, like i but i got right into anime also like like not but like cool and i like goggle 13 or, oh yeah goggle 13 you know, is cool i like goggle 13 the video games were amazing that were related to it there were there were these two nes games the map that conspiracy and goggle 13 and they were like those types of games where it was like different styles of level you know, so you'd have yeah. like that. You'd have like the level where you're walking, like Rolling Thunder style platform, side scrolling. You'd have the 3D map one that was like impossible to know where you were turning because every background looked the same. Yeah. You know? And you but had the sniper level. I, I do like other anime besides, I should say, the only anime series that I got into is Full Metal Alchemist. When anime movies, um, there's Fist of the North Star, I like a lot. Sure. Have you seen that one? uh i don't i guess i must have i was pretty into the whole this is the north star thing but i don't really remember anything specific about the movie i I know i watched neon but i don't remember that much specific about like any of the anime uh, i watched this of the north star is very memorable because it's like it's almost like a a, a joke like there's a scene where like a, a skyscraper falls on top of a guy's head but he's so powerful he just keeps walking and his head just cuts through the skyscraper. Yeah, no, that was like the kind of anime I liked. Like, like I liked that it was that, uh, you know, out of control, which is, and I also liked, it was like a puzzle piece because I liked the way Transformers looked. I liked the way G.I. Joe looked. Um, yeah, because it's made Hawks, in Japan. The animation Ultron, studios. Astro Boy, you know, just keep going on and it's all Japanese. So it was, it was like, familiar to me you know and then very strange the uh, amount of japanese culture really that that was uh, present in like 80s and beyond you know like with the video games and toys and uh stereos and shit like it's just like all entertainment really it's crazy well, that stuff will never stop being cool um it seems, although it seems like once you reach a certain age, you're not allowed to like it anymore. Um, but I, mean, I will say that the whole, um, what do they call them? Otaku? No, Otaku, we, yeah. Weeb 
Weebs. I mean, it's this. Yeah, it's, it's Weeb is a more uh, derogatory. Slightly more. I mean, otaku is actually a very derogatory term originally in the Japanese language. Um, it, it does mean like a nerd, like in the unkind way. But I think, you know, it's taken on a new meaning. But Same so, with like nerd, you know, the phrase nerd over here, remember, like nerdist, that it was like, it was deeply capitalized on as it had its moment as a cool thing. Well, yeah, it was before all that, though. I mean, it was a cool thing when we were doing it. You know, like it was a cool thing when I was spending Saturday mornings playing Dungeons and Dragons with some people in a bright room in a school on a Saturday. You know, it was cool when I was like, yeah, watching, you know, G.I. Joe VHS I bought when I was 19, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, I love that. And then I just felt like, I, I think a lot of, especially because the nerd thing was so Hollywoodized, it was like everybody was talking about it, sort of had insider things, you know, so they would talk about like structure, or, you know, like it, it was kind of more about, like it was inherently a, a joke a bit more, or it was like too in depth, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't want, I, like, it's like, we can't, we should just talk about how things make us feel sometimes. So unpacking plot twists and stuff you know mm. like, well, yeah i mean the whole like nerd the like the, the the big um the the uh sort of the the um man why can't i think of the word like when something appears you know and comes into being mm-hmm. the, the rise the right like the rise of the nerd gen- culture the genesis uh the the well the like the rise of nerd culture is like uh you, you know it was cool for like um somewhere around like 2010 to 2013 i want to say as like a big money maker and and incident i think you and i were doing really well around that time too coincidentally <laughs> <laughs> as uh maybe people, I, I'd already had my com- my stand-up comedy kind of like maybe this won't work moment a couple years before, but I think you were killing it. Um, and then people thought nerds were cool. But I was and- also writing and I was doing a lot of different things. So I was I was a little more... And what's funny is I, I never thought it was cool. Like, I mean, some of the stuff I thought was that some of the stuff that people were... Like some of the products I thought were cool. yeah. Like you know, video games are 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 cool, mm-hmm. and and whatnot. But um, this 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 uh, this whole industry that cropped up, I, I had very little interest in it. Well, that's because it was an in, like it's it's this thing I think where there was like an industry overdose in the United States, and like it just started being sort of a cannibalistic fest where it's like if you have a business, an in, if if in a pre-existing industry, if you can create a second industry that sort of feeds off that, well, then you could probably create a third industry that feeds off the industry that's feeding off the other industry. And like, when you keep doing that, it just becomes mind-numbing. And I think that's what happened. Like I watched, I used to watch Game of Thrones and, you know, at first I would read this guy's recaps of Game of Thrones and they'd be like, 
really good and and you know because the show was better and then as it kind of kept going on you're like season five and six and he's still writing the recaps you can just tell he's like totally checked out and he's just doing it because it's like a new industry of recaps you know yeah. and re- recap guys and right and gals you know and uh i defy just, you to find any passionate youtube recap <laughs> narrator <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the best ones are uh um the ones who um make like their own narratives i mean that is a game of thrones thing song of ice and fire with the book like the amount people read into every single word written and then sort of create lore from that Mm -hmm. i've seen that we've talked a lot about the star wars videos that do that too yeah yeah these guys they just um they just read they read straight off like the star wars wikipedia entries on like boba (laughs) fett or whatever and they have like some pictures with ken burns effects on them just these like slow panning pictures of boba fett and then they get like 200 youtube views and they have like patreon which probably is earning them like you know maybe 20 bucks a month like maybe Mm -hmm. more i don't know maybe they're getting like uh hundreds of dollars a month doing this it's it's a good uh scam really well i hope you're enjoying my talk with jesse it was just such a treat talking to him it was one of the most late interviews i've done it was at like midnight my time that's a hard thing to do keep your dander up for that but it was worth it and i hope you're enjoying it and if you do enjoy the podcast this is the part where i tell you oh you could sink some of your hard-earned money into it and then i can give andy lloyd our wonderful producer who edited this very episode and did the things to make it sound good um i'm assuming it sounds good i haven't heard it yet and uh give flush or at least paid for what he's doing and there's lots of weird expenses i won't get into it but let's just say sound soundcloud ain't free and freedom ain't free as we're learning so if you do want to help us out you can go to my Bandcamp, nickflanagan.bandcamp.com and buy an album but really what i would love would be if you went to ko-fi.com slash nickflanagan ko-fi.com slash nickflanagan great way to do a one uh time uh gift donation whatever and also monthly options as well you can go to patreon.com slash nick flanagan if you want to just go the traditional route um as well if you don't want to pay but you enjoy the podcast and if you can't afford it if you forget well maybe just subscribe to it make sure you download all the episodes when they come in rate it five stars review it say how just delightful my broken voices or just tell a friend or just email me and say hey good job w-e-a-k-l-y podcast at gmail.com that's a weekly podcast at gmail.com thank you for listening this is sparta and here is jesse elias and myself having a chat Yeah, it's all a scam. I think that's the thing is that, like, we'll take one, you know, it's like fool me once, shame on you. And it's like the toys and the culture was the fooling once. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm going to be fooled by a bunch of people being like, 
we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I love, you know, I'm such a nerd that I hear people playing. They're like, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm like, you're playing like the new Dungeons and Dragons. Well, second edition is pretty much where it's at. So why are you doing this? And you're an adult, and you learned new rules for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's it's just. And I, I mean, I, I have lots of friends with those kinds of podcasts and I think it's cool that they're doing it, but it's just like, for me, it's just a time thing. Like D&D was like the biggest suck of them all. And you haven't even tried to bring up Dungeons and Dragons and I'm just like crowbarring it in. Well, no, well Dungeons and Dragons, you know, with like Drew Harmon and all that, like it, it Dan, became- Dan Harmon. Uh, Dan Harmon, right. Drew Harmon was the name of this open mic in San Francisco. I got it mixed up sometimes. Um, yeah, that's fair uh sorry open mic host uh anyway um <laughs> any social club 2009 i um uh dan Harmon. he he really uh he really culturally appropriated dungeons and dragons uh i gotta say that's uh he well, stole it he's from he's, the nerds he's just one of those guys who i think um you know he just kind of can't help but sort of take over anything he touched right, you know? right. so i don't really blame him but i think you know it, it's just like it was it, it's a wave you know it's just like brian Posehn taught and pat Oswalt talk about it then dan Harmon's talking about it chris hardwick's talking about it right and then next and thing you all know of a sudden, it, everyone wants to try it right all these normies mm-hmm. like oh we're gonna play this to this day i have actually never played Dungeons and Dragons or wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. And a lot of people have tried to get me to do it and I won't do it because it sounds boring to me. No, the time to do it was when you were like 10, you yeah. know, or even nine. Like the art is so amazing. And I'm talking about the 80s and 90s ones. I mean, yeah. and the, the, then they had the spin-off novels, which is like a sub-industry I'll support. You know, novelizations mm-hmm. is di- of, of pop culture, is, it's still the same you know, it's it's still the same pipe pipeline. You know, it's still in fool me once category. Um, the Star Wars but, novels are quite good, actually. I I must admit. Look, these novels are always fun that they make of. Like, did we talked about that? Did we talk about the novelization of movies and and how some of them? Like, I remember when I was a kid, I read the Batman novelization, mm-hmm. and I I definitely also read the um, Dick Tracy one. So you're just yeah. talking like the books that are just. They're just the the screenplay converted into novels. No, that's the thing. Is is in the case of the Dick Tracy one, maybe we talked we talked about someone on the podcast. The the Dick Tracy one was um maybe it was Matt McCarthy who even said it, but but because I do that green zoom with him and he's like he's really got a brain for this kind of stuff. But the Dick Tracy novel was actually written before completion of the film. And some of the things that were written and occurred in it actually influenced, like what was in they they incorporated it into the film. That's cool. And the Batman novel, if I recall, had like the same feel. Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah, and they weren't, um, you know, they weren't just like direct ports of the screenplay. They would always really get in the heads of the characters, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is like, uh, and I think Star Wars is probably the same with their novels, but obviously more in depth because it's a whole universe. Star Wars is just a, a huge cultural uh, 
it's like, where do you even start with it, man? <laughs> yeah. it, it went from being this like Gen X nostalgia to being like remarketed to my generation with the uh, prequels. The, well, before the prequels, you had the special editions, oh. which were meant to get Horrible. you amped up. The special edition was just to get you amped up for the prequels. But then the special edition for anyone who had seen the original ones, even I would imagine someone your age, you would go watch the original ones. And the toys, too. Sorry. Oh, the the second generation uh, Star Wars toys? Yeah, the second generation Star Wars toys came out at the same time as the special edition. And it was all really, it was all very calculated. You'll see these, and I got to say, I didn't really, I didn't really care that much about Star Wars. But when I saw those toys and how many of them there were, I was like, okay, I, I'm a Star Wars fan just because I want these toys. Like, they well, look cool. That's the thing about people complain about Return of the Jedi. But, it, you know, when I say people complain, I mean, like, very old people or whatever, but who still have that idea that it, because it was the one where they were clearly like, we got to come up with a lot of products. Yeah. <laughs> we need a lot of product. And, but what that wound up resulting in were just these amazing LucasArts, Muppety creations like Gamorrean Guards and that guy with like the, um, you know, like the Shrimp Man. And then shrimp the, Man. Uh, let me think. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Squid Face. Yeah. And uh, and that dude who uh, helps um, uh, pilot the Millennium Falcon with, uh, Nian, with on solo. Yeah, we've talked about with, Nian. Like with Nian, Nian, Nian um, no, yeah. Do you, here's a funny fact about him is that uh, he's not speaking the alien language. Uh, he's speaking, I think it's Swahili. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought that was like, I don't know. That's just like weirdly offensive to me. Be like, oh, it's a perfect metaphor for like George Lucas's the the dark recesses of his minds and like what growing up in the '40s or something like yeah. watching movies makes you think is is cool for every i mean and and it was never more visible of course than in like the first five minutes of phantom menace right with the he didn't the the full manchu aliens like he didn't consider that like the if star wars started that way it would be like (laughs) you know like if it had started if it had started with mian num speaking so yeah like nobody, but nobody, nobody like knew, knew that, that, so it didn't matter. But it, um, but if it's, I'm just trying to think of things that were like, it's hard. Star Wars, like, was appropriately to me. Star Wars feel okay. Like if it started with the Ewoks sitting and listening to C3PO telling the story, yeah, <laughs> like, and then it's like a flashback, like as he's telling the story, <laughs> it like it kind of like does a little transition back to like right. the beginning of the first shot of the first film. Wouldn't that, have been a hit. No, that would have been amazing because that would have shown that like it's like in Breaking Bad. Remember when like Walt like opens up the car trunk with the machine gun and then like you know right. you twelve other episodes. There. Yeah, like people would be like oh, watching this movie and be like, okay, so like how do they get like when is it gonna line up with the flashback? Well, look, my point is that the original thing never started with like full-on very obvious racial stereotypes it's like it's like delirious like nobody like i can't go back to watching any murphy delirious because there's a whole like you know gay like homophobic stuff at the beginning you know and it's Uh, i've never seen delirious i don't so i i is that a movie or yes it's eddie murphy's 
stand-up special. Oh, I mean, it's funny how Eddie Murphy is like really homophobic because he didn't he have sex with a trans. Uh... <laughs> no, I don't want to get sued. He, uh, okay. <laughs> he was. They pulled over his car or something, and he picked up uh, a trans uh, gender person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anyway, let's not get into Eddie Murphy's uh, <laughs> his his stuff, but I I do want to. I like to press on this George Lucas racism thing because I find it very interesting. I'd say Indiana Jones was like the beginning of George Lucas racism. Oh it, yeah. And then it kind of went into the prequels and I guess he's never made anything after that, but you got the, uh, the native cultures in Indiana Jones. you got the Fu Manchu aliens in episode one. You have well, Jar Jar. You have the is, entire movie. Um, you have the entire movie um, Temple of Doom. Yeah. You know, so like Temple of Doom is just all racist all the time. And George Lucas's co- community college major was anthropology. <laughs> yeah, so he probably didn't, you know, but it was anthropology filtered through like probably stodgy British professors in 19... 19- I, I, I just think he wasn't paying attention in class. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just was like looking at pictures of stuff and like, Oh, cool. Well, he was still operating from like, you know, Rudyard Kipling or whatever, white man's burden type of yeah. history. I mean, he's like, it's all, he, he says, I like the, the old uh, Flash Gordon serials, uh, which is when you had like the, the yellow a, face. Yeah. yeah. So like. It's a serial head of a different kind. Yeah. You know, when I first saw The Phantom Menace, I was like, I want to say 14. Um, and I remember you know, when, when the aliens started speaking in those accents, I thought to myself, like, whoa, cool. Like, you know, he's kind of bridging, he's kind of bridging, like, Star Wars universe with, like, real life, our universe, like, <laughs> <laughs> by having, like, he's taking, he's taking Earth, Earth culture influence and putting into, like, uh, yeah. and then as I got older, I realized uh, that was stupid. Um but that was that was what I think that was that's what was going on in his head. Is he thought he was doing a, a callback to like Flash Gordon? Oh, I'm sure of it. You know, I I think that he had really so much confidence in what he was doing that you know, and I think it was kind of like Mike Myers in a weird way. Like Mike Myers right. was just like, no, I don't know. You you'll probably remember this, but like after the first Austin Powers, coupled with Wayne's World coupled with uh, and then also with everything he did on saturday night live people yeah. were, were hailing mike myers like basically as like the jerry lewis the new Gen- jerry lewis Who's i remember better? he can do any character he, he can do these accents yeah, you know? yeah. He's, and then uh, he does the love guru is that where you're going with this i think then he does like uh so i married an axe then he does uh-huh. You know, he would always have these duds. And then Wayne's World 2 comes out. And then Austin Powers 2, I'll never forget. And, you know, I don't really want to smack talk Mike Myers let's too much. Not, because... Let's not forget Cat in the Hat. That was later, too. That was, like... The, like the, the, that was the bottom. That was like the last movie. That was what killed his career. I mean, to me, it's just all about Wayne's World because of just how personal that is, like, as a person from Toronto and knowing he's from like Scarborough and that yeah. it's like about the gas works, which was this metal club, like a hard rock hair metal club almost. And, and uh, 
he references all of that and it's like it's just fun and of course Dana Carvey is a big part of that and like it, it's just that yeah he was so overhailed that you know he went into things like the love guru and Austin Powers 2 especially with like the utmost confidence and I just it's not really a knock on him but when I saw Austin Powers 2 I saw like two days before it came out my friend worked in a movie theater so I went to the like he maybe he did a screening just like for the two I don't even remember but but uh I watched it and we all laughed so hard and then I left the theater and I was probably like 16 or 17 mm-hmm. and um this guy cruised me it was like midnight or one o'clock this very old man like was just following me in his car telling asking me to get in like for like the whole walk and then the next day I woke up uh and I was like that movie wasn't actually that good I didn't like Austin Powers it did not make me laugh and I was surrounded by a hundred people who are laughing everyone's laughing except for me and I'm like everyone's happy and I'm not what's wrong with me why am I like defective or something? And I left the theater feeling very uh, sad and insecure. The um, difference between those two guys is that, you know, George Lucas, you know, uh, I'm not watching my favorite clips from Austin Powers, you know, now, but I'm mm-hmm. watching the cool scenes from m- mostly Revenge of the Sith, but like Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Even the story's cool. It's just that he jumps into it and it's about trade sanctions and then people are talking in racist voices. But it's actually an interesting story. It's just oh, Phantom, it's fascinating. Phantom Menace, just like it didn't, when I watched it when I was a teenager, the hype, like you were just talking about before we got into all this, like the hype was so unbelievable. I mean, it was, it eclipsed what I was just talking about with Mike Myers. I mean, it was like a whole other thing. People were just like, this is the most popular film franchise it will always be the most popular film franchise it will yeah. be it is you know people pitched pitched the tents outside yeah. the movie theater you had yeah uh just the the soda machines every single pepsi machine um i mean the the, the special edition was kind of like the the dress rehearsal for this for this hype train you yeah. know T- taco bell brought back the stars monopoly game and all that crap and you got the new toys and well and also just going nuts don't forget that like it was part of this weird the thing about george lucas that was so great was like okay so he made star wars that don't impress me uh but, but he also did industrial light and magic and you know and lucas arts like the video game thing which actually makes him very mm-hmm. very solid very unique you know like the point and click games they did were very very cool monkey island yeah uh, and then the indiana jones secret of atlantis one yeah and uh george lucas had nothing to do with that though i know but but anyway what i'm saying is he would be like i used uh my uh, industrial light and magic to completely make the add to the special edition i'll never know You'll never know what's <laughs> new and what's old. It blends perfectly. And then you watch like, uh, I think it's Return of the Jedi. And like, there's just like all these, like 
an animated band. It's clearly animated. Like it suddenly yeah. feels like Mary Poppins or something. Like the animated. Is there an animated part in Mary Poppins where they become birds? Right, like, right. Yeah, it was. It was definitely had this like Roger Rabbit kind of like uh, animated and live action on screen at the same time. Yeah. Feel to and, it. Uh, yeah, I know. Nobody. Everyone hates CGI because of George Lucas and the prequels when they were when they were marketing J.J. Abrams. Star Wars, they just kept on using the words practical effects over and over again in all the hype for that. Um, which is dumb in itself to kind of go, it's it, it's it's like reviving a corpse, or yeah. And actually, yeah, it will also, is, I'm not know, saying you can't do them, I'm just saying because it's always budget, that would mean you have to do, you know, and then yeah. it's like, but it, it's just to sort of kneel at that altar like so long after, it's just like, who, who are they kidding? I like I like practical effects. I like oh, I love practical effects. I, I love I, especially in, in horror movies, like any anything Freddy Krueger does. But I'll, but I'll tell you this: people who work in the special effects industry have pointed out that there's more practical effects in the prequels than there are in the new Star Wars films. I, I wouldn't doubt it. The prequels are um, the reason the prequels are so good is because of the um, choreography of the fights in a lot of cases. Yes, and and um, also because George Lucas says this thing he does it in Indiana Jones too. He really likes to have uh, make it seem like there's going to be maybe a fight and then they kill the person fast. Yeah, like that's in Indiana Jones the famous part where the guy waves his sword around and then literally the exact same scene with Django Fett yeah. <laughs> in Attack yeah. of the right. you know, and with Boba Fett in, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, you know? and it's like. He's just like obsessed with this, but nobody asked for it and nobody responds that well to it, <laughs> you know? And I kind of appreciate that about him too, is like, he just got this fixed idea in his mind that he needed to tell the story. Everybody thinks he didn't even have the whole thing dream. People would say, that, oh, he didn't actually have the idea. He just says that he had the whole idea. And then you watch it and you're like, no, oh, I probably had the whole idea. Like, you know, it's pretty in-depth, if not, if he's it's just not that excitingly told but also the casting in those movies is just great oh yeah i mean uh billy d williams that's uh even the, the, good, even the second the second set of movies it's it's, it's uh most of the main characters i could do without but you know jimmy smith's Ian mcdermott is uh, amazing no parallel to him christopher lee is amazing uh you know, um, what's his name? Jimmy Smith's always good to see him. <laughs> you know, and uh, who else? There's not that many others. I, I don't know Jimmy Smith's outside of the prequels. <laughs> what else has he done? Um, he was on NYPD Blue. Uh-huh. And uh, he was in uh, Stand and Deliver, which was like one of those movies about a teacher. Yeah. You know, it was like Lean on Me, Dangerous Minds. But I think it was more Latino. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, um, or. And he, he kind of looked like an actor from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Mickey. Right. Convict. And there's another classic. Uh, well, if this were 2010, uh, we'd be making some big money off of this conversation right yeah, now. Except for right now, whoever's listening is probably like, is this a nerd podcast? I is this a nerd? But this is a nerd podcast. culture. But you and I, we always, it always comes, this conversation always comes back to Star Wars, which is pretty funny because I don't think either of us really cherish it that much. 
no, like I was, I, 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 uh, I mean, I do now in a weird way after seeing um, the sort of new three, I'm kind of like, it does remind me of what I love about, like it actually made me appreciate, like you were saying, the prequels more and also even Rogue One more, you know? And uh, because I just like, at least that stuff is kind of rooted in something. I still haven't watched the Rise of Skywalker yet. Uh, you know, it's all it's all done. It's all played out. It's all old. We need to find something fresh, something new. I think, uh, you know, Star Trek, man. That's we still haven't. There's still some juice. There's still some blood left in that limb. I mean, if I dedicate myself, because I have a lot of Star Trek, I'd need to catch up on. That would uh, take the rest of my life. Maybe I, I can just do that. I don't know if you need to catch up on it. I mean, I've only watched The Next Generation, and that's good enough for me. Yeah, no, that's the only one I watched as well. But it, it, I think it has something to do. This all has a lot to do with this compulsion of you buying this stuff and collecting it. And, um, you know, people wanting to somehow hoard the past and go back to childhood because everything that came after was bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, is it really. Or to it, reclaim a childhood that was bad, you know, and sort of rem- remember that even within the bad childhood, you, oh, totally. toys, you know, and look, look, if we were, if we were born in like the, you know, 1920s or something, we'd have like, bottle cap and stamp collections or something <laughs> crappy like that but it's no, no one makes fun of those guys i mean they do but uh, yeah, I <laughs> they just have di- but for different reasons but it's well, the same they're reason because they're, they're dead. dead and you can't really you know they're like a punchline at this point. well this will this will cheer you up um i see the kids i see walking around today you know they're like you know teens and tweens they got um they're wearing t-shirts with like uh, Super Mario Kart on it. Like not like, you know, GameCube Super Mario Kart, like SNES Super Mario Kart. Oh yeah. I've uh, I've I've seen lots of stuff like that. I mean, talk about collecting to flip. I've got all these video game shirts. I mean, I sent you a Tetris shirt. Yeah, I love that shirt. Thank you so much for it. So, I mm. think they they still respect us a little bit. Oh yeah, they love that stuff. They love all that stuff. People love Kurt Cobain, you know. Like, yeah, it's funny it's how like, I, I phrase it too. Is they still respect us? Like, <laughs> we are we are the stuff that we like. <laughs> At the yeah, end well, of the that day, was, that we just watched that Pepe movie feels good, man, about Matt Fury, and uh, it was talking. It said something I didn't understand. I, I didn't know about the origin of um, memes or memes or whatever people want to call it. Uh, memes. Uh, yeah, I call it memes, but I guess I, heard... I, I used to call it memes because yes. I didn't know. I think he pronounced it that way in the documentary. But I was um... like, I was like one of the first people on 4chan. I was there. I've been on for going to 4chan since 2004, right? Or 2003, even actually. And um, I was like, I'm, I was, I remember like running to all my friends and being like, guys, there's this thing on the internet. It's called memes. Like, you're not going to believe it. It's so crazy. It's like the future of like, of humor. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? What's a mem? And that went on for several, several years until, so I'm like, uh, I'm cutting edge is what I'm trying to say. No, you're one of the originals, but we'll get to that in a second. 
So the origin of memes, 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 memes. Call them, apparently dates back, I think was coined the name by Richard Dawkins in a book called The Selfish Gene in the 1970s. And he talks about it as being exactly what you're saying, evolution happening because we uh, adopt the stuff that one person has adopted. And then so pants, you know, and yeah, shirts and leggings, socks, shoes, but it goes beyond clothing. But yeah, but, but yeah I thought that was so, so you're right. And now just going back to the fortune thing, this is what, you know, so I was never on, I don't even know when Reddit started, but for me, it was like message boards, um, which of course 4chan is, but I was like, like something awful. I think because there is that slight age difference, like I got into this something awful yeah. really early. I also liked something called WrestleCraft, which was about all the terrible wrestling gimmicks over the years. And that was amazing. And, yeah. and um, I, I liked uh, Newgrounds.com. Again, this was a few years later, and that's more like deviant art kind of thing. Like I could couldn't really mess with like art. Art. I liked something. I liked things that were sort of. I read all those actually. Like Jump the Shark. I guess I like things that were like sort of comically critical in like a very specific kind of way. And something awful had the forums, you know. And and that was. And and I also was on like Stern fan network, you know. So the Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Okay. Stuff. I was really into Howard Stern and. Uh, it was just that so so when 4chan came around i was already i was like too busy downloading music probably to like uh. fully absorb myself into that i was like in the audio galaxy morpheus world. i mean i no one downloads hordes music like i do well i keep I'm, I'm i keep boasting but i i do have it's 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 downloading music was one of the defining features of my high school experience uh Napster was invented right when I entered high school. And then from that, I branched out onto IRC, which that was an adventure in of itself. Well, IRC, for those not in the know, was um, in existence a long, for a long time, much yeah. like the BBS. It's very similar to news groups and, and the BBS thing. IRC is an ancient technology. It's uh, one of, it's as old school as you can get. What does it stand for? uh internet relay chat right it's like sms it's like one of those things that's very old-timey sounding yeah but you can download files over irc as well so there's a lot of file sharing going on here's a question there's what a is, lot of prawn what is uh, what and where's where's <laughs> where's, and there's, where's there's prawn and then there's passwords <laughs> there'd be like all these websites yeah. there's bad. a lot of there's a lot of cracks in key gens uh, <laughs> i love you, love that key gen music key though <laughs> your winamp player oh uh, winamp i still i believe it or not i i have i found c continued use for winamp actually how are you using it uh as a video game music uh it's great for playing video game music, not like MP3s, but like the actual video game music files, you know, mm -hmm. that are extracted from the ROMs. Right. And then I would use Winamp to convert them uh, into MP3s. I have a very, very big, happy video game music collection, which I would like to share with you one day. But um, right now, there's not really a way for me to transmit those files to you. And there's so many of them. But I got like yeah. Splatterhouse. Uh, Good soundtrack. 
what is it? The Dead Dead Connection is a great soundtrack. Uh, Get Out. Um, Get Out. Do you mean Leave Home? Uh, I mean, sorry, I don't mean Get Out. I mean Outrun. <laughs> Get Outrun has an amazing soundtrack. Yeah, Get Out is the is the movie. Um, yeah, and there's that mo- that there's an NES game called uh, Leave Home that I recently it- discovered fan translations it's the resident evil it's a capcom game it's one of it's like wait it was an nes game that was like kind of the original resident evil in a way i gotta check that out yeah it's cool fan translations skate uh, or die search for double trouble i don't know it's just me or it's like part of the reason for all this nostalgia of going back to like this period of like 90s like nes like teenage mutant ninja turtles serial is it like is it just me or was am i just an old bitter man or was stuff more fun back then i think it was more fun i mean in a weird way uh you know canada i think that the grassy mindset you know mm-hmm. where the show degrassi when i'm talking about the old old show degrassi it was like really harsh like you'd watch it at 4 30 and it'd be about like some teenager getting aids but he's a bully also so you're like conflicted <laughs> And then, or, or, you know, a kid taking acid and like jumping off a bridge and teen pregnancy from sex and yeah. eating it's... disorders and all this like irre- essentially irreversible emotional pain, you know, and physical pain or loss. And like, that's, and it's real, but I do think that, that that now hangs over like almost every aspect of our culture or it's just like so fantasy, you know, like brats and this type of thing, like, it's just really like external, but we're, but it's also because like the models that we were given in the eighties and nineties was so based on like second world war in the sixties and stuff. And the idea of innovation and going to the moon, you know, like that was all like going to the space was like a whole thing growing up for me. I don't know. Are kids still like into that? We go to went to space. I don't think so. I think they're too busy looking at their phone to think about space. Um, no, that is some old man stuff. Space I mean, literally, is... <laughs> when you look at it, it's I, I'll, I'm going to confess that I never cared about space. Hmm. I, if you couldn't pay me enough to go to space camp. I never went to space camp. I didn't even see the movie that much. I know, it was we like had this... it. I just couldn't. It seemed boring. I'm it's supposed did... to watch something where you're at space camp? There's a movie about space camp. Is it a comedy? It's, it could be funny. No, it's like a, it's like one of those like eighties teens need to solve something. Kind um, of sounds kind of good. I mean, eighties, right? Hey, hey, nostalgia. Hey. Yeah, I, I, I like the nostalgia. I don't, I don't want to consume anything but nostalgia for the rest of my life. I have no interest in new media. Um, just give me all. I just want to be surrounded by my my cultural artifacts. And I think, you know, so do you, or you wouldn't be going to these garage sales all the time. <laughs> in, a, in a pandemic. I'm like thrifting like the, the most, you know, but I, I feel like that keeps me like, I think it, with, with my people. You if know? you and I had, uh, had a place together, it would be the decorations would be just off the hook. <laughs> You'd have all the stuff that you've collected. I'd have like my, uh, my like eighties trick cereal uh, advertisements that right. I, I would just get I'd buy old comic books at um, out of the closet 
and from I just buy them for the ads. I cut out the advertisements and just throw away the comic. You would do that? I, I would do that, yeah. You could get some amazing ads, you know, like uh some good decor. Like cut out enough that you would actually hire a wallpaper guy to like make it into proper wallpaper, but not by copying it, but by actually like weaving it together. Mm, no, I, I don't want to damage it or alter it in any way. You can just um I get this mounting putty so it doesn't you don't thumbtacks <laughs> will leave holes, right? But if you get this putty, you can just stick it on there. So this house house we're living in is um bare walls, unpainted putty and uh all of our all of our uh childhoods and young adulthoods like pasting it over the walls like can it's, i put up an m m poster can i yeah, put up well, a- you, can, you can put up anything you want if you're paying rent you know <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you this it's not PBD. just childhood nostalgia i have stuff from the 70s i have stuff from like the six i have like old like cookbooks you know like and the it's 60s and 70s like the pictures in 60s and 70s cookbooks are amazing because they make some weird like jello salad it's like cream cheese and jello yeah, and like it's ha- disgusting with like ham and like and the photography is just great these full color pictures uh i love to hang those up on the wall i got a lot of them jesse i'm gonna have to go to bed yeah. all right well um yeah i've given you a very big piece of <laughs> audio you Well, 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 that's my friend, Jesse, slightly younger than me, learned in the ways of the internet, perhaps a black belt, learned in specific stuff about video games and video game soundtracks, 80s stuff, cereal, flavors, you got a taste, but there's more to come. I do think Jesse and I... We talk so much that just having him come back and talk about stuff, I would love to do that. Is that something you'd love to hear? Tell me, weeklypodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. Or just message me on the Twitters, which you can find the podcast Twitter or my own. They're around. Also Instagram. As well, LinkedIn. There's also something new called Alignable. If you know what that is, tell me. I'm confused by what Alignable might be. Stay safe. Wear a mask. This will pass, and I hope you're doing very well. Thank you so much. See you soon. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.